Her husband was a retired Canadian firefighter who died unexpectedly of a heart attack. She's here to tell her story and how she used that experience to help others overcome tremendous grief. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com That's j-a-y at letradio.com Connecting with us from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We have Heidi Dunstan on the phone. Heidi is a certified grief educator. She's a best-selling author and speaker. She's also an event planner. Her website is HeidiDunstan.ca. That's spelled H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N.ca. And she's here to talk about the death of her husband who's a retired Canadian firefighter, how it impacted her, and really most importantly, how that manages to provide inspiration for what she does today. Is that a good way of putting it, Heidi? That's a great way of putting it. Thanks for having me today, John. It's a pleasure to have you here. And by the way, I've met Heidi a long time ago on Clubhouse, on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. If you don't have that, you should get it. It's free. It costs nothing. Do a search for John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, or just look for the at L-E-T radio show and let's connect because uh, you never know who you're going to meet. And Heidi's had a, a compelling story and we wanted to go in a slightly different direction. Uh, one of the things that, that a lot of our guests, about 70% of our guests, they've experienced tremendous trauma, ex- a, a tremendous grief. It's usually crime-based, but not always. And that was the case with you and your husband. That's not crime-based, is it? No, not at all. He died of natural causes. He died. How old was he when he died? 63. 63. So that's very relatively young. I'm saying that now because I just turned 65. And uh, we're yep. getting ready to move or we're moving. And I told my wife, what if I have a heart attack moving furniture? What if that happens? What are we going to do then? So it's, it's a thought that started to creep into my, I don't want to say the frontal part of my mind all the time, but it does pop in every now and then. And to be honest with you, Heidi, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I never thought of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's not something we normally think about, right? It's um, something that, in fact, we don't like thinking about what we will die of. And so we often keep it back of mind or under the carpet. And and my husband was no different. Yeah, um, and I'm sure had, you didn't think about this either. That wasn't on your radar, was it? Not at all. No. And and I've learned a lot of, about heart disease since and um, some of the things that I wish I knew before. The telltale signs were all there. Well, by the way, just, and I'm going to get off my soapbox here in a moment. Heart disease is a huge killer for first responders in America and, and I'm sure Canada as well. When I say first responders, firefighters, EMTs, police officers, we could talk about poor diet. We could talk about lack of exercise. But one thing that's not talked about, or two things in particular, is shift work, not having regular sleeping patterns, and the, the effects of having constant 
chronic adrenaline dumps where you go from dead calm to, to life and death uh, in a matter of moments. And that might happen several times a shift. Uh, did your husband not talk to you about that stuff? Because to be honest with you, I don't like talking about that. Um, I mean, he was a very humble man and, and he always saw the good things. And, and during the course of our time together, and I, him and I met after he retired, um, it was definitely, you know, there was times where I could see the impacts of the job. The, You know, we would drive by some site that had a bad call when he was on shift one years ago, and I would literally watch him transform before my eyes. Like, yeah. his face would change, the tone of voice would change, how he spoke changed. Like, you, I knew that he went back to that day. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, whoa, what just happened? And, and he just spoke in a really, like, he became a totally different person. Um, and not mean or horrible, but just cold. And yeah. my husband wasn't that kind of guy. He was always the happy, smiley, saw the, the good in everything. So it was interesting to watch him transform. So you knew, I knew that he had gone through significant traumas multiple times in life because of, of the career he had. Yeah, one of the things that my wife, I call her the boss, she understands very well is that when I start, one of two things will happen. If I start talking about certain incidents and I don't talk about this very much because I don't like the, the, the emotional, the physiological responses. One of two things happens. Either I become very clinical, like I'm testifying in court, or I become very emotional. Um, and usually that emotion is anger. Uh, and it's not, it's yeah. like night and day. It's like someone turned off a switch. Was that the case for you? Um, for him, he just turned really stoic. Like he, and he spoke just in ways like, for example, we drove over a bridge once and, and, I mean, my husband, like I said, he was a really happy guy. And he was like, we chipped a guy out of the ice down there one time. Went to a call. And I was like, what was he doing in the ice? He's like, well, he died by lead poisoning. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean lead poisoning? He got shot to death. And the boy shot himself. Yeah. 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 And drowned. And, 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 but for me, like, he never spoke that way. And so I was like, oh, you were, like, you went back to like having to process, um, like he always talked and he wrote a letter about this. And that was a letter I read in his eulogy about how he always had to, every hard, hard call, he always had to put a board around his heart to protect himself right. from all those hard calls. And um, it wasn't until he kind of started taking those boards off around his heart after he retired that he got to really start feeling joy and happiness again because as much as you blocked out all the bad stuff, you were also blocking out the good. That's the, the, the premise a long time. of, uh, I, I can't remember his name of the book. I read it a long time ago. I think it's called Iron John. And what it said basically is we, we built up a suit of armor. And I'm paraphrasing. We built up a suit of armor to protect ourselves. And it's not just police or firefighters. Yeah. It's everybody. We do this, and yeah. but eventually it can become its own prison. And it keeps people away. And it keeps us from having an enjoyable life. One of the things you said was yeah. that you met him after he retired. So he did he already start yeah. that process of removing those boards? Yes. Yeah, I met him at a personal development seminar. And he was a coach and I was a trainee in the room. And so, yeah, he had definitely started. Um, I think he he retired in 09 and, and took this development seminar around that same time. And I met him in 14, 2014. So um, he was definitely doing the work to 
like he was living a lot happier and making choices in his life to um, live with more intention for joy and and gratitude and you know seeing the best in in others. He was that was probably his greatest gift was you never he always saw the good in others before he saw the flaws. Yeah, I, I, I try to do that. First responders I'm, get cheated. Yeah, right? I, I'm not always successful. I really try. Um, and I'm a pretty optimistic person most of the time. I got to ask you a question before we get a yeah. break. Going back to Clubhouse, because Heidi's in a lot of the same rooms that I do, that I'm in, and, and we hear people complain about the most trivial some things. Do you ever find yourself saying, oh, my God, would they just shut up? They don't realize how good they got it. I, I do my best not to. Um, I try to see people are doing the best they can with what they have. Um, but I also will say to people... I look at life through a different lens after losing yeah. somebody so precious. That's a, that a, a great I way of putting to... it. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T radio show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L.E.T. radio show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Heidi Dunstan on the Law Enforcement Talk radio show. We return, we're going to talk more about the tragic and unexpected death of her husband, impact on her, uh, and what she does, how that motivates what she does today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Get access to free podcast versions of the show and more on Facebook. Do a search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to click like. Return conversation with Heidi Dunstan on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Heidi is in Canada. Her husband is a retired Canadian firefighter who died unexpectedly at the age of 63 from a heart attack. Uh, And that has really transformed her life. She's a certified grief educator. She's a best-selling author and speaker. She's also an event planner. Uh, get more details about her book, what she does, and her website, HeidiDunstan.ca. That's spelled H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N dot C-A. Before we went to break, Heidi, we're talking about, and some people would say you got the best part of him when he wasn't going through active service, but you dealt with the scars afterwards. Uh, that's that's inescapable. I always say this. If you work in, in police work, firefighting, EMT, dispatcher, corrections, whatever it is, for long enough, you're going to get dinged up, and your family members are going to feel it too. It's, unav- it's unavoidable for pretty much everybody. For sure it is. And, and you know, it's it's one of those things where, we all know that that stuff rears its head in the most unexpected places. You know, we don't know when it's going to come. It can be sneaky. Um, and, and you don't know how long it's going to stay. And so you have to navigate it with a lot of grace and, and a lot of awareness and sensitivity because, you know, Mike never did that stuff intentionally. It, it, it came up on him and we just had to, to move through it together. And, uh, it was part of what made us stronger. That's a great way of putting it. And there's certain things. I, I tell people this. Look, it doesn't matter what caused me to be the way I am. I lost a lot of time. That was my alibi. 
uh, what matters is that I have this issue. And if I want to have a pleasant life, if I want my wife and my daughters to have a pleasant wife life, there's things I got to do. And things I have to do is like take, take really extra care and attention to sleeping patterns, eating patterns, watching my mood. Am I getting angry all the time? All those things. If those things are going off, if two or the three are going off, red flags are call them, it's a warning sign that I need to get back on track with taking care of myself. So what I would say is this, being the ripe old age I am, I have to claim this as part of me, that she has a choice to deal with it, but I have to be aware they can't resolve it. I have to resolve it. That's, I guess, best, the best way I'm saying it. Yeah, and, and, but it's always, I always try to make sure with Mike that I knew he had to move through it, but I, I never wanted him to have to do it alone. Good. That he knew that I was there if, well, however he needed to, to me to support him. Um, because we all know that that type of emotions is, is isolating to begin with. Yeah, oh, yeah, and and because we isolate in our heads, right? So, um, you know, that was one of the things was he always appreciated the fact that he's like, you didn't force yourself on me, but I always knew you were there. Like that when I was ready to come around, that you were there, right? And that was a big piece to to us always being stronger was that I didn't want him to be going through that stuff alone. Well, thank you for doing that. I, I appreciate it. it. It sounds to me like you two had a very good life. Oh, he was the best. I, we were, I was really, really fortunate. Like he truly was an amazing man. And you have a big part to play in that too. Cause that, what my dad used to always say when he was alive, and he passed away many years ago. He said, he'd say, "What do you call a one man boxing match?" And I'd come up with all these things. He like, there is no such thing. We we all have our roles to play. Uh, and, and really what that applies to is when we're arguing, we're not doing well. But when we do well, we have to take credit and say, yeah, I'm a part of that as well. He may have been a great guy, but you're a part of that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were pretty dynamic. It was, there was a lot of magic for us. So let's go to uh, the day he died. Was there any indication? Was there any heart disease? Was there any health issues or did it come out of left field for you? So, now that I've got the whole story, um, he passed away in December. He died uh, two days after Christmas and the day before my 40th birthday. And um, in May, he was at the doctor, and the doctor wasn't happy with his blood pressure. And he said, I want you to go on medication. And Mike turned it down, and he's like, no, let me let me do my exercises and get, get back up to snuff. I've been a little lax. And so he did, and he went back in August. And um, the doctor said, yeah, your blood pressure's better. And that's what Mike told me. And what he didn't tell me was the doctor said, I'd still like you to go on medication and I'd like you to go to, for a cardiac assessment, both of which Mike declined. And in November, the same scenario happened. And in December, um, the day he passed, we were at Costco and um, he said, I feel like I have the flu. And he was going to go to work that day. He was um, a general contractor like most First responders, they always have a, an extra gig. Right, right. Especially um, firefighters. So they got time for that. We didn't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had, they had the, the couple of days on, four days off kind of schedule. Right. right. So, um, so he was going to go work. And, and I said, well, why don't we stay home and just rest? Like, it's between Christmas and New Year's. Nobody's going to care that we're not at work, that you're not at work. 
And he was like, okay. And literally, he had a heart attack in the driveway after we got home. He drove us home on the highway, um, the 10-minute drive, and then had a massive heart attack in the driveway. And called 911. Firefighters came. I mean, we lived across the street from the fire hall. And they worked on him, went to the hospital, and an hour later, he was gone. That's, uh, I, I, I don't have any point of relativity or any way I can relate to that. I, I, I experienced that as a police officer uh, and as a first responder when you have these sudden unexpected deaths. And, and it really didn't matter what caused it. The impact on the family members and loved ones was the same. It was devastating. And it sounds like it was devastating and totally unexpected for you. Yeah, it was devastating. Um, no idea that it was coming and no concept of how to put all the pieces back together again. Um, it just, it rocked my world. And I, I, I spoke with lots of his firefighter pe- buddies, like learned lots about heart disease, spoke with his doctor, like his doctor was in tears because he was like, you know, the doctor didn't know there's a history of heart disease in, the, in his family. Right. Um, the doctor would have pushed um, his friends, some of his firefighter buddies were like, did he have this? Did, did, he, did he have this physical symptom? And something as simple as he had a, a fold, a line crease in his earlobe. And a firefighter buddy of his said, 90% of people that I did CPR on that were having cardiacs. Yep. It's, a, it's a physical sign of cardiac disease. I've seen cardiac that. I've, I've seen that okay. statement before. And it, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah. That might be true, but it is not going to happen to me. And before we yeah. go to break, one of the things uh, about you that I have learned over time, I might be dead wrong, is you're a take charge kind of person. Uh, when your husband I'm felt sorry, ill, take charge, yeah, yeah, take charge kind of person. You you must like I got to do something about this. And there was it must yeah. have been a pretty powerless feeling because there's nothing you could do. I I mean yeah, it's literally you know. I, I did everything that I could, right? I, I, I was there. I administered first aid. Um, I called 911. I let them know if he was a first responder because I do know that they do things a little differently when it's yeah. one of their own. We're going to take a short um, break. We're talking with Heidi Dunstan on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. There's so much more to cover. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Remember when news was free? Be sure to check out the Newsbreak app. It's free. And be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk radio show and podcast on the Newsbreak app. Newsbreak is your number one local news app for current events, free live news for you and your community. Download the Newsbreak app today for free. And be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk radio show and podcast on the Newsbreak app. That's the free Newsbreak app. Be sure to look for and follow the Law Enforcement Talk radio show and podcast podcast. Returning our conversation with Heidi Dunstan on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Heidi is connecting with us from Canada. Her husband's retired Canadian firefighter. He died of a heart attack. She is a certified grief educator, a best-selling author and speaker. Uh, She's also an event planner, and she does a lot of work to help people overcome tremendous grief and trauma. Her website is HeidiDunstan.ca. That's spelled H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N dot C-A. Just like Heidi, uh, was that a movie when I was a kid, Heidi? 
Yeah, the goat yeah, that's me. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, so it's a long time ago. I'll just say that. So we're in the break, Heidi. We're, <laughs> we're talking about a pretty powerless feeling where your husband fell ill. You didn't know how bad his heart disease was. And, and one of the things that took me a really long time to get over, and I'm not saying I'm 100% with it, is the, the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. You know, I'm not God. I'm not Superman. I just did the best I could with what I had. It, was that part of the scenario that helped you get beyond the, the, powerless, the powerlessness feeling and then uh, somebody should have done something or I should have done something? Yeah, for sure. It was definitely, you know, I mean, we, we watch these scenarios. We watch these heart attacks happen in TV and movies. And, you know, they, they use the AED machine on them and they come back to life. And we see that time and time again. Um, when in rea- reality, it's like only about three or four percent of people actually come back to life. Right. And so here we are watching them do this, and you know, and I'm like, why isn't he coming back? Like this, ha- this isn't supposed to be like that, right? Like, and the aftermath of that, going like, did I do something wrong? Um, could I've done something different, or should I've been going to those doctor appointments? Like, should I've been the naggy? the Maggie wife, right? Like that, Oh, you shouldn't be having that much bacon. Um, you know, like, yeah, you totally do have the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Um, but you really, I mean, it, it was his story. That was like, it took me a long time to get to the point where that wasn't my story to write. That was his story. Right. And I don't get to control that. And God takes them when, when he takes them. And right. speaking of your story, uh, Look, we could divide life before the death of your husband and life after. Is that a fair assessment? For sure, yeah. So your life after. We didn't cover before. That was pretty good. Uh, but I'm sure yeah, this was a hand hope. that you were not expecting. And my, my wife, the boss, and I, we, we think all the time about our golden years. That what are we going to do when we're older and sitting on the front porch and waving at people and having coffee and all that stuff and spending our old age together? Never once do I think, man, that might be cut short. One of us could be gone, and we both have health issues. Uh, and the, the person that's left has to rebuild their life. And that's really what was thrust upon you, whether you liked it or not. You don't get to choose, right? So you have to, and and it's not easy. It was like losing a spouse impacts every aspect of your life, how you eat, how you sleep, how you go to work every fiber of your being changes and you, it takes a long time. It took me about 18 months to actually start to feel like I was getting my feet back under me. Um, you know, I was going to work, I was doing the things, um, but my memory was terrible. Like, um, I, my sleep was either way too much or way too little, um, eating. I, I hated eating alone. So I was eating one meal a day. Like so many things were impacted and, it took me a really long time to really go, what's my purpose now? Because I had a different purpose when he was here. And I had to figure that all out again, and it wasn't easy. Did you have an aha moment where, like, I've got to do something differently? Or did someone pull you aside and, you know, these are the old now, he shakes some sense into you saying, look, get a grip, you've got to do this. No, gratefully, a lot of my friends and family knew better than to tell me, you know, you got to get over it. Um, they understood. But I'm also not somebody who is like, uh, who, who pours me the whole time. I was really like, this is hard. Um, I miss him. I want him back. Um, 
but I got to figure this out. And when I need to figure things out, I tend to dive into education and awareness. And so, yeah, it's there's a lot of awareness that I needed to learn about grief and about understanding what it was like to be a widow and understanding the craziness of it because I had no context of losing a partner. And so I started educating myself, reading books, well, listening to books because I couldn't read, um, and, and even taking the grief education certification to be able to understand more about what I was going through, to be able to take away the, the crazy of, of what was going on and spending more time with other widows and widowers to really kind of relate that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't, and, and that I wasn't doing it wrong. Right. Cause nobody teaches you. There's no rule book on this, is there? You just do the best you can. And as you you learn better, you do better. Exactly, yeah. One of the things that that is an old saying is that time heals all wounds. And I always say this, that for me, that's not true. My father, he passed away from lung cancer 30 some odd years ago. And it was horrible watching decline. But the, the pain, the impact of that does not go away. What happens is I just get more used to it. Is that a a, a fair thing to say for you? Yeah, I never say that time heals all wounds. I say that time changes grief. Um, People say, does it get better? And I say it gets different. But there are days that can be just as intense as the day they died. And you don't get to choose when that happens. And so that's why I don't like saying that it gets better or easier. Because some days are hard. And there would be infrequent, but some days are hard and some days you feel like you're carrying it a lot easier, right? And so I just say that time makes it different. One of the things that you talked about and you alluded to was you started consuming as much content as you could about grief and about rebuilding your life. Uh, There came a point, obviously, where you decided, I'm going to do something different. Uh, Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, you know what, I joined a lot of widow Facebook groups and I found that, you know, part of the crazy for me was the people who said stupid things to me. Oh, there ain't no shortage of those people around. People say stupid things all the time. (laughs) I mean, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just saying, look, it doesn't end. That part I'm sure you've learned. It's like, eh. Yeah, it it doesn't end. It doesn't go away. Uh, I truly believe that grief is love and that I will love Mike and grieve him to the last breath I take. Um, and so, yeah, I you know what, I, as I spent more time with other widows and, and reading other stories and seeing the crazy things that people say because they don't know what to say, I really saw the need to learn more about how we hold space for people who are grieving. And I think part of that um, is is recognizing I a, a good friend who her name is Kim and her husband was a police officer at work for me and uh, his name was Billy Martin and in a couple months after I transferred to another district he was shot and killed in line of duty and I told I, I had Kim on the show a long time ago just go to letradio.com and, and you can find it and one thing I said was I was a f- so afraid of saying something to you I I would ignore you. And she said, "That's the worst has already happened. If I don't feel like talking about it, I'll tell you. But the worst thing you can do is ignore me. And yeah. that helped a lot. But I had to embrace the fact that I'm flawed that way. And, and you know what? The thing is, look, if you don't know what to say, the best thing to say is I have no words. I, I, I don't even know what to say right now. 
that's better than silence. That's what I what I what I'm saying was, look, if you want to talk about football, we'll talk about football. You want to talk about dancing, we'll talk about dancing. If you want to talk about Billy, we'll talk about Billy. Yeah. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. We're joined by special guest Heidi Dunstan. Uh, from Canada, her husband, retired Canadian firefighter, died of a heart attack. She's talking about rebuilding a life. She's a certified grief educator, best-selling author, and speaker. Her website is HeidiDunstan.ca. That's spelled H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N.ca. Don't go anywhere. There's some useful information that you're going to want to hear coming up on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Are you looking for great products that can be game changers for people, for their physical health, for their overall well-being? Go to letpops.com. That's letpops.com. I take these products. They make a world of difference for me. Better energy. I sleep better every night. Full night sleep every night. Zero leg cramps and more. Many people will tell you about the wonderful things that these products do for them. Plus, it can be a phenomenal business opportunity. You can help people improve their lives and for a very small fee, get a complete backend, complete website, zero inventory, no shipping, none of that stuff. Get full details on our website, letpops.com. That is letpops.com. This is Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Return to our conversation with Heidi Dunstan. Uh, she is a wife of a retired Canadian firefighter who died suddenly of a heart attack. Uh, she is a certified grief educator, best-selling author, and speaker. Her website is HeidiDunstan.ca. It's spelled H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N dot C-A. And we met on Clubhouse. So Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. If you don't have it, get it. It's free. Download it. Look for me, John J. Wiley, or at L-E-T Radio Show, and it'll be easy to find me. So one of the things, Heidi, that I'm really impressed about, and it's not like you had a choice. I guess deep down you did. But the death of your husband was something you could do nothing about. It was not what you had planned. It was not in your future. It was not part of your present. Uh, And you probably didn't even think that much about it, but that was thrust upon you. And so... Somewhere along the way, you took your experience, your grief, your grieving process, your process of rebuilding your life after, to the best of your ability, to use that as motivating motivation to help other people going through similar. Is is that a, a oversimplification of explaining it? Yeah, I I really saw the need for um, trying to help people. Know, learn how to hold space for people who are grieving, the people who didn't know what to say, the people who completely lose friendships and family members because they're, it's awkward and uncomfortable. Um, I, I wanted to be able to teach them that grievers aren't the plague and that they can find ways to navigate those re- relationships during tough times and, and how important it is. One of the things you said was teach. And there are a lot of people, and I'm not knocking them, that teach that have never been through this. And then there are those who've been through it. And they send, they seem to add a different level of relatability when it comes to their instruction. Do you, do you find that be the same for you? Agreed, yeah. If I would have tried to teach this topic before I lost Mike, it would have been what I learned in psychology in university. And 
it would have been a lot of BS, I'll be really honest with you, John. It would be very textbook, and it wouldn't have had the human connection piece. Um, it would have been like, hey, go see a psychologist or go get a counselor. It would have been, yeah, you know, you're you're in this stage of, of the grief process. And instead of just seeing and, and appreciating and loving somebody exactly where they're at and where they need to be. I kind of experienced similar, and this is one of the things that is a, a diff- different subject, but when I went to see psychotherapists or, or licensed social workers, whatever, we talk about trauma and recovering, recovering from the effects of trauma, you could tell those who really had experience, those who've been through it themselves, those who've worked with a lot of people, and those who just read about it in a book, you could tell very quickly. And those who read about it in a book, I'm not saying they didn't try, but my trust level was not there with them. Have you found your your ability to gain people's trust is based partly on your own experience? For sure, yeah. And and, and because I'm able to go and, and give them a story like, you know, um, don't worry, Heidi, you'll find love again. You're young. Um, and then being able to say, instead of saying something like that, saying, hey, I really see how much you're, you're loving and missing Mike right now. Those are two different ways to approach the same conversation. And so what I tend to do is I teach people what they what not to say and then give them the opportunity of what they should say. And so a lot of people walk away from conversations with me feeling like they're more equipped to handle conversations with people who are grieving than they ever have been. I've had conversations with grievers who are like, that was said to me and never felt right, but I never knew why. Right, and and I don't believe people say things out of malice. I totally believe they say it because it's an uncomfortable conversation, and they're you know they don't know what to say, and so they're trying their best. And the hard part is, is words matter, and when the wrong words come out, it, it can be really detrimental to a relationship. Well, it can, and sometimes I have I've been known to have not the normal pause button and muzzle I want to have, and I can react. Um, and I'll give you a good example. Uh, in the past episode of the show, I was speaking with someone whose spouse died by suicide. And she informed me that the, the way that was preferred to mention that was death by suicide or died by suicide. Not what I was raised with, committed suicide. So, yeah, I can understand that words have meaning. And look, I, I'm not one of these touchy-feely people. Um, but I don't want to walk around deliberately messing with people's heads and their state of mind. Correct. And, and, and I think the world of, of like the language around suicide has changed a little bit. It has. And it, it's just, it's, it's about awareness. Right? I've, I've got so much I've got to learn. And thank goodness people like Heidi yeah. don't mind instructing and don't mind being the teachers. Uh, so, you made a great example. Uh, you find love again. That was that was a great example. Uh, one one other example that you can come up with that that you try to tell people, hey, don't say that. Say this instead. Um, some people often we often ask people like, how are you? And when you're outside question, you're supposed to be good, fine, or okay. And I agree, there's none of those. So instead, ask how's today, so that they have the opportunity to tell you, I'm not eating, I'm not sleeping, or I just miss my person. Give them the space to tell you that things are hard right now. Um, and sometimes just saying, I don't have words, but I don't want you to be alone. Right. And showing up and just, there's nothing that needs to be talked about. Oh, I see the dishes haven't been done. Do you mind if I do them for you? 
hey, I'm taking my kids to school. Can I drive yours along with them? Just try to help make people's lives a little easier, especially in those early days, weeks, months, even that first year, year and a half. That little bit of grace goes such a long way in how we show up. You know, my neighbor, the day after Mike died, I mean, he was the one holding me on the driveway while they worked on him. Instead of showing up with flowers, he showed up with a Costco case of Kleenex, knowing so well I'm a sprinkler. Yeah. Those are the people that I love and cherish, right? They showed up for me when I needed them the most. Do you feel that you allow people to help in a way that they can? I I, I don't want people to walk away from this interview going, man, she's tough. She says this, that. I, I, I sense that you may on occasion say say this instead, but you allow people to help and contribute in the way that they're best able. Is, is that a good way of saying it? Yeah, you know what? I, I think that I, I mean, you know, you've got a sense that I'm, I'm a pretty much take charge person. So I know who to reach out to that's going to meet my needs when I need it. You know, I'm not going to reach out to the person who isn't really emotionally capable if I'm emotional. That's not a good decision. No. That's not setting that relationship up for success. But I will reach out to the people who are like willing to listen and willing, to, okay with tears and, you know, to, to sit and support me. But I would reach out to somebody like you if you're like a fix-it guy to be like, hey, this broke and I, I have no idea how to fix it. Can you help me? Um, you know, and I'm very aware of the fact that when I was going through grief, I wasn't always at my best. And there was times that people said stupid stuff and my response could have been a lot more graceful. <laughs> I'm always um, aware of that. Because it was raw, I need to circle back. Let's shift gears real quick. Your website, HeidiDunstan.ca. That's H-E-I-D-I-D-U-N-S-T-A-N.ca. You're a certified grief educator. You're a best-selling author. So you, apparently you wrote a book. You've got other books in the works. Can you tell us briefly about that book and what you do? Um, so I submitted a chapter with a Blue Talks book, which stands for Business Life in the Universe, and it's talking about grieving with grace. And it really is a, a little bit more about my story about grieving with grace um, and how to do it with with the grace that you need for yourself and for the people around you. Um, my next book is talking about legacy and talking about how if we don't learn how to hold space for people who are grieving, we will lose the legacy of those we've lost, which I believe is tragic. Yeah. Uh, there are some tremendous lessons to be learned from my father. Uh, the, not, not so much the way he died, but the way he lived his life. And and I try to emulate that as best I can. Same with people like Billy and Martin and, and others, uh, that there's tremendous lessons to be learned. And that legacy is important. Uh, your website, HeidiDunstan.ca. That's not a .com. That's a .ca because you're in Canada. Uh, can people reach out yeah. to you, get in touch with you on your website? For sure, yeah, please do. And you do the Certified Grief Educator. What exactly, very briefly, is that? Um, so David Kessler, who worked alongside with um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was a big part of the... Um, stages of, of grief. Um, he created this program. He is uh, he worked alongside with her. He was her protege, but he's also a bereaved father. Um, he lost his son um, a number of, a few years ago, and so he wanted to make grief more aware. And I took this program, and so technically I could be coaching, but for me, I'd much rather be able to. Um, educate people around grief and what to say and not say to somebody who's Perfect. grieving so that we can support people with grief. Go to get more details at our website, HeidiDunstan.ca. Heidi, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor, John. 
I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.